Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench, everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. Hackers are after your business data. I can help. I am Vi, the virtual intelligence assistant at Virtual Armor. Virtual Armor, partnered with Juniper Networks, provides cybersecurity services and end-to-end solutions to keep what's yours, yours. Defend yourself with managed firewall and managed SIM essential core services that are economical and efficient. Virtual Armor goes beyond just initial alerting to provide a thorough report on threats, vulnerabilities, and results. Let me help protect you. Contact me at JustAskVi. That's V-I dot com. And here we go. My opponent is against oil, guns, and God. I am the Democratic Party right now. 47 years, you've done nothing. Everything Americans value hangs in the balance. We have an obligation under the Constitution to use every arrow in our quiver. This is the most important election in the history of our country. I believe that. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. I'm Brett Winterbull. It's Devious Motives. We've got a lot of Devious Motives we're going to be talking about. We've got the debate coming up tomorrow night. What is this? Is this episode... Are we on episode 18? Is this episode 18 or 19? i got to double-check the uh, tape here real quick. It is great to be here with you, and uh, I'm excited to be spending this time with each and every one of you. Because you know what? When we hang out together, we learn, we grow... And, and you're always able, by the way, to send me a note if you want. You can send me emails. You can check in with me. Let me know how things are going for you, how they're turning out. This is episode 19 of the Devious Motives podcast. 19. We're doing 30. That tells you that we got 11 of them in front of us before Election Day. I may go into overtime on it. Don't worry about it. But let me uh, start with a couple of things just sort of that are, that are bouncing around inside my brain right now. Uh, we have got to stop focusing on the dopes at the presidential debate commission. I I don't care about presidential debates. I don't think they're of any value in this cycle. You could show Joe Biden in a video, like an abscam style video, wearing a, a a, a Russian costume, uh, uh, eating borscht with Hunter and, and a strong man from Moscow. And the people that support Biden, they do not, they do not care Remember, you've got governors in that party that support uh, infanticide. Uh, Governor Cuomo and Governor Northam have both come out and expressly spoken about the fact that, no, you can abort a baby up until the ninth month. You, do you think corruption inside uh, the, the, the vice president's operation under Obama, you, do you really think that that's going to move the needle when it comes to a debate? It's not. It is not. These are people who attempted to literally remove Donald Trump from office. And in fact, two of these whack jobs, um, uh, Joyce Vance and Barbara McQuaid, they're both uh, they're both MSNBC contributors and among the most virulent haters of uh, MAGA Nation. They penned an op ed piece a few days ago and I saw them talking about it 
on Messi NBC today with the pool boy and Joe and Mika. And it was incredible because the pool boy was all really into it. He's like, so uh, you guys lay out an actual list of how it is the president can be put into jail once he loses the election. Isn't that correct? Yes, that's correct. Because the Hatch Act and a lot of other violations. And we're totally stoked that uh, Cyrus Vance and, uh, and of course, the, uh, the uh, attorney general of the state of New York and other attorneys general and district attorneys around the country are all lining up to try to put Donald Trump in jail after he gets um, out of office. And it's really great. The Washington Post ran this as like a front page op-ed. What was it called? It was called the former president's rap sheet is what it was called. And now these are two people who were instrumental. And when I say instrumental, I mean they were on every single day on that goofy show that Nicole Wallace puts on with the made up uh, with, with, with the made up contributors that make up stories about Russian collusion. And, and now their, their, new, their new pitch is to say, well, we'll just put him in jail when he, when he leaves office, either in uh, 2021 or uh, in 2025. We're just going to put him in prison. We'll put him in prison. That's what's going to happen. And they're taken seriously. They're, they actually come in and testify in congressional committees. And they're wackos. I mean, you have gone to a place, America, that I, I never thought was really going to be possible. You have... Choose your own adventure. Remember those books when you were a kid? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm of an age that I remember the choose your own adventure books. If you go up the stairs, turn to page seven. If you go into the basement, turn to page 17 and say hi to Hunter. Um, I remember those days. And now what you've got is choose your own adventure married uh, the news. And you can choose your own news now. You can you can get completely fictitious, fake, phony, fugazi news and and, and feel like you're getting something of value when you read it or when you consume it. See, I knew Donald Trump was a Nazi. This piece says it is. You've got these weird fantasies, right? It's almost like a, uh, a penthouse impeachment fantasy, penthouse forum impeachment fantasy. I've never read penthouse, never looked at an adult magazine. I'm familiar with them, though, by reputation. And I, I swear, the Mueller report, the Ukraine stuff with Shifty Schiff, um, the stuff that's going on now with Hunter Biden and the way they're trying to knock it down and say it's not what it is, all that stuff uh, may as well start out with, Dear Penthouse Forum, I never thought this would happen to me. Suddenly, Adam Schiff showed up with a pizza asking if I was up for some Russian dressing. I don't know what it meant, but it really freaked me out. And so you've got this weird narrative that continues to sustain itself that Donald Trump is actually the problem when it comes to Russians. He's, he's, actually, he's actually not. As Donald Trump Jr. said uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, he, he said, you guys actually impeached my father for the stuff that Joe and Hunter did. You actually accused me of doing stuff uh, over at the Trump Tower that Joe and, and Hunter were doing. That's a big fundamental issue. But it's more than that because... Uh, dutifully, the man with the Russian dressing, uh, Adam Schiff, uh, has come out and he's gone on TV and he's telling all these different uh, hosts, uh, commentators and hosts, that they know that they know um, what, what's what's really going on and that this hard drive coming out of uh, the, the 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 shop in Wilmington, Delaware, is actually the product of Russian uh, propaganda. Now, I, I don't know how the Russians were able to manufacture text messages, emails, and notes between the various conspirators 
in trying to shake down foreign countries for payoffs to the then president, Vice President Biden, and the man who would hope to be president at some point, Vice President Biden. Uh, I, I don't know. I watched Rudy Giuliani talking to Greg Kelly on Newsmax last night, and you can find the clip on the YouTube, and, and you can find the clip probably on Twitter if Jack hasn't killed it off yet. But if you watch these clips, you have Hunter Biden admitting to extensive um, uh, uh, drug abuse, sitting around in his house naked with underage females. And, and in fact, there's a reference to a note that he got from uh, his wife and his wife, not his wife, his girlfriend, who was Bo Biden's wife and then had a relationship with Hunter. This is such a Jerry Springer episode. It's just it's nauseating. Um, in, in which she basically said, I don't want him around these girls because he gets cracked out of his mind and and sits around naked and is talking to girls and he's trying to FaceTime them and all kinds of stuff. And, and, and Rudy Giuliani was so freaked out by this. Rudy Giuliani was so freaked out by this that Rudy Giuliani called Bernie Carrick and, and said, we got to do something about this. And they've referred this to the Delaware State Police because apparently this is like in the neighborhood of child porn. Now, that's not been made up by Vlad Putin. Okay, that, that, that hasn't been made up by Vlad Putin. What you have in Joe Biden, and this is so unbelievable. It came to me like a bolt out of the blue at, um, at, at like four o'clock this morning as I was getting around to start my day because I get up very early. I get up so early for many of you, it's late. Um, and and it, it came to me like a bolt out of the blue. Joe Biden has more in common with Putin than Donald Trump has in common with Putin. Donald Trump made money by building his brand and building buildings and selling his name and doing television shows and all that kind of stuff, right? What did Vladimir Putin, how did he make all of his billions and billions and billions of dollars? Abject graft and theft. What do you have in the Bidens? You have people who are worth millions of dollars. I don't know how they've gotten their money. I'll tell you what, if I was President Trump at the debate tomorrow night, I'd say, hey, Joe, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to release my taxes and I'm going to release your taxes, not the taxes you released, but what you probably really jacked from from Kazakhstan and all these other countries. I mean, it is it is insane. It is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But I don't want to digress too much because I do think these debates, while informative to the uninformed, entertaining to those who are bored, for those of us that are serious grown-up adults, they don't serve any fundamental purpose. Tell me you've gotten anything from a presidential debate in the last 40 years. Now, you know what? That's not fair. Tell me you've gotten anything from a presidential debate since, I'd, I'd, I'd say, 96. 92 was a joke because it was a, it was a, uh, a three-way car crash with Ross Perot there. Frankly, it should have been Ross Perot versus uh, versus George H.W. Bush. Bill Clinton was was an afterthought and was the first hippie president that came in and admitted he smoked grass and, you know, whether he wore boxers or briefs and then would go on to use interns in an inappropriate and unapproved way. But but you got at least you got a debate on trade back in 92 in 96, you got a debate on whether or not the welfare state ought to be sustained, and you had the first infection of America with the notion of what would eventually become Obamacare. It was Hillary Care back in the day. And so in 96, you had an actual sustained debate. Bob Dole and Jack Kemp were just absolutely un unready 
uh, for prime time. The, the ticket should have, at a minimum, been reversed. It should have been Jack Kemp taking on Donald, uh, taking on Bill Clinton. It should have been Bob Dole taking on Al Gore. Uh, that that would have worked much much better. But but the point of the matter is, uh, once you get into like two thousand and two thousand four, I think two thousand four is probably your first failed presidential debate type cycle stuff. Because I don't know that you got anything from George W. Bush debating John Kerry, who, by the way, his stepson is one of the people who was was essentially a a co-conspirator of Hunter Biden, along with Devin Archer and Cooney, who were all trying to sell or be part of the sale that was happening inside the the, uh, vice president's uh, mansion and inside the vice president's office back with the CEC, the Chinese Economic Club. They, uh, they, they were all part of this up to their necks. And in fact, Peter Schweitzer's got a, da- a damning piece today that's running over at the uh, Breitbart website. And I know oh, Breitbart, we don't believe Breitbart. Well, you don't have to believe it. He's got the emails. So, I mean, it's really your choice. M- my point in, in bringing all this ugliness up to you is this. The debate is a sideshow. What matters is what Hunter Biden is, has been doing trading on Vice President Biden's name. And what we do not know is who, who Hunter and Joe are into for money now or favors. This matters because the, the two goofy lawyers I was telling you about, McQuaid and Joyce Vance, they write this piece about the former president's rap sheet. Could he face going to prison as a result of all this stuff that he's been a part of? One of the assertions is he's got dirty loans from Russians and he's got dirty loans from Deutsche Bank. Okay, I'll grant that that's a possibility. I'm not going to say it's a certainty because I haven't seen his I haven't seen his balance sheet, but I'll grant it's a possibility. But I want to know who it is the Bidens are into because if the Bidens if the Bidens struck a deal with Xi Jinping off off the books, and I'm just putting this out here because somebody said it to me yesterday, and I think it's pretty scary. We don't know that the CCP flu, that the coronavirus flu, isn't an October surprise that came in January to take out Donald Trump. And I'm not saying it was, because there's a lot of collateral damage, and I have said expressly on my show in the past that it's incredibly risky to deploy a bioweapon because you can't control where it goes. Chemical weapons, you kind of can. Nuclear weapon, you kind of can. Conventional attack, you kind of can. But a bioweapon, you can't, you, you can't account for where the bio is going to go and come back and burn you right to the ground. So what did Joe Biden know in the early part of the coronavirus? What was his first inclination? I mean, just, just do the math here and think about it. His first inclination was to curse, essentially, President Trump for shutting down air travel and being xenophobic towards Chinese people. Joe and his son, we know, are, are in for billions of dollars with the PRC, promised, offered, alleged, whatever it is. I want to see I want to see the books. I want to open the books. I want to know of uh, uh, what, what the deal is. You know, that's an important point so do i'm gonna go to a really ugly place here because i gotta i gotta spell it out for you i'm gonna spell it out for you do you remember after 9 11 what was the first thing that was said bush knew 
he either lie heaped or my heaped it. That was the that was the abbreviations that was used in all the liberal um, progressive forums, and of course also in the kooky Alex Jones wing of things back in the day. The inside job, and everybody knows that they filled the building with dynamite and blew it up and all that. And I don't mean to make fun, but I'm making fun. So they either lie heaped or my heaped. And do you remember what those were acronyms for? Let it happen on purpose, or or lie hop or my hop made it happen on purpose. The question for Joe Biden is. Like, you obviously are tied in with the Chicoms. Did you ever hear anything about this? The question for the intelligence community is, what did you guys know about what was going on with the Chicoms and the CCP virus? I'm not accusing Joe Biden of knowing about it or doing it. I'm, I'm just asking questions, just like Schiff and Vindman were asking questions. I'm just asking questions. Did anybody in the intel community know anything about it? Or were you all so focused on Ukraine and not investigating the Bidens for corruption in Ukraine that you never even saw anything going on in China. We know at a minimum, Shifty Shiv didn't do a doggone thing about China, did he? He never held an intelligence committee hearing, did he? Because he was totally ensconced in the hot tub of turgid politics and icky grime coming from the notion that Donald Trump was dirty and into the Ukrainians and the Russians, when in fact it looks like Biden was. I'm just... I'm just did you boo? I'm just saying. I'm just asking questions. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm calling an audible. We're going to go straight through. I'm not going to give you a break in the middle of the uh, podcast here. So this, this is all stuff that has to get addressed. This is all stuff that has to get answered for. This is all stuff that we ought to be, we ought to be wondering about out loud and proudly. Out loud and proud. You know, I, I look at this and I say, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to sit around. I'm going to be mad about the debate. The debate doesn't matter. Oh, my gosh. The debate doesn't matter. There's so much other stuff here. Let me give you. I'm a nice guy. So I'm going to give you alternatives to talking about the debate. I knew this was going to come up as a topic. I forecasted this in August. If you don't believe me, you you go to the day. You go to the day that uh, Joe Biden named Kamala Harris to his ticket go back to that day and take a look at what i said on the air the day after kamala harris was added to the ticket do you remember what it what it was that i talked about i talked about a very important case that has been practically and realistically ignored and it is seriously it is an achilles heel for kamala harris The case of the Bologna family coming out of San Francisco. She allowed an MS-13 member to walk. To walk. She was the district attorney of San Francisco. A known MS-13 gang member living illegally in the United States was arrested but went unprosecuted by then San Francisco DA Kamala Harris's office months before he murdered a California family. On June 22nd, 2008, 48-year-old Tony Bologna and his three sons, 20-year-old Michael, 18-year-old Andrew, and 16-year-old Matthew, were driving home from a family barbecue in San Francisco when an illegal MS-13 gang member called Edwin Ramos drove alongside them and opened up on them. Ramos killed Anthony, Michael, and Matthew in the shooting. Prosecutors said Ramos shot the Bolognas because he misidentified them as rival gang members who were involved in a gang murder that day. They weren't. 
the murder case rose to prominence as Harris, who is now your next Democrat president of the United States, once Joe Biden gives it up, was San Francisco's district attorney. And despite a plea from angel mom, Danielle Bologna, to seek the death penalty against Ramos, Harris refused to do it. Instead, instead, she sought a life sentence. In fact, Dianne Feinstein was so disgusted by this move by Kamala Harris that Dianne Feinstein got up in her face and had no effect. Despite, despite, despite the fact that three months before those Bologna murders, Ramos had a run-in with San Francisco police officers. The San Francisco police warned Harris's office that Ramos was a known MS-13 gang member with multiple run-ins with the law. In fact, in, in March, three months before the killings, Ramos was arrested in San Francisco after police pulled him over because his car had illegally tinted windows and no front license plate. An alleged gang member in the car tried to discard a gun, but the police recovered it later and found out it had been used in a double killing. The police report of the incident cited numerous documented contacts that officers had with Ramos, the man who discarded the gun. And that both of those men were active members of Mara Salvatrucha, the MS-13 street gang. San Francisco prosecutors declined to file charges. I'm doing my best, Kamala. San Francisco prosecutors declined to file charges against Ramos, saying they couldn't prove he knew his companion had a gun. Harris's offer, office said they needed another criminal charge against Ramos in order to prosecute him. Police sent the case to the prosecutors in the DA's office, who declined to file the charges. They told investigators there was no evidence Ramos had known Lopez had a gun. The gang charge had to have another crime associated with it. An account of Ramos's arrest in 2008 was published in the L.A. Times, in July, the report noted that after failed district attorney, failed attorney general, failing senator, and failing VP candidate Harris's office failed to press any charges against Ramos, he was released a couple days later. He was arrested March 30th on a weapons violation, along with an alleged gang member riding in his car again. Spent several days in jail, and the authorities declined to file charges against the, I'm sorry, the authorities decided to file charges against the other man, but not Edwin Ramos. Deportation proceedings against Ramos could have been initiated, but were not. After the Bologna murder, Angel Mom Daniel Bologna pleaded with Harris to seek the death penalty. Harris refused and instead sought a life sentence without parole. That doesn't mean anything in California, by the way, because people get parole all the time. Criminals get parole all the time. They're, 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 rever they're reversing the Scott Peterson case with with the murder of his wife and unborn child. This is a big story, but it's not the only wart that's out there on these two. There's another big story, a, a huge story, a big wart that applies to Joe Biden. I, I know I could be playing you clips. I could be playing you all kinds of sound clips and stuff from the shows, but I, I think it's important to just kind of lay this stuff out for you because it's all, it's all factual. It's all actual factual, as they say. Um, you have a situation that started when Eric Holder was the Attorney General of the United States. Hillary Clinton was the SECO state. She was the Secretary of State. And um, you, you had a situation where Eric Holder, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and others 
came to an agreement that they were going to do something once and for all as it related to firearms in the United States. You, you know that what originally happened in the United States was a, a decision to control guns. It was the original hill that the progressives were trying to, 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 to set up into motion. They had hated guns for a very long time. They didn't like the Second Amendment. And if they could, they wanted to amputate that from our uh, Constitution, even if it meant just chipping away at it in an incremental way. So, so what happened was there was a loose, a loose confederation of folks in Central America who, who got together, different, different leaders, and said, listen, we have a lot of violence here in Central America. MS-13 practically controls El Salvador. It's violent in, in a number of different places. Mexico is one of these places. You had a full-blown cartel war taking place. And so it was a, it was a big deal. I mean, it was, a, it was a big, big deal that was going on with the, with the gun violence there in these communities. Um, but what, what the Obama administration decided to do next is 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 stunning and and, and shocking in a lot of ways and i'll take you back to 2016 january of 2016 ian tuttle uh ian tuttle uh, wrote a piece at the national review the headline was el chapo's capture puts operation fast and furious back in the headlines obama administration scandals never resolve they just vanish usually under a new scandal So it was with the president's earliest embarrassments, Operation Fast and Furious, designed to help the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives dismantle drug cartels operating in the U.S. and disrupt drug trafficking routes. Instead, it put into the hands of criminals south of the border 2,000 weapons, which have been used to kill hundreds of Mexicans and at least one American, U.S. Border Patrol agent Brian Terry. The progressives never want to talk about this, and I'll guarantee you Joe Biden would rather get root canal with, without anesthesia, without Novocaine, uh, than talk about this. But this is a huge deal. And if the president and his team were smart, they'd exploit this for every bit that it's worth. So remember when Joaquin El Chapo Guzman got arrested and was taken into custody and was going to get prosecuted? Remember all this sort of stuff that happened? Well, when they, when they went into his, his hideout and they looked at what he had, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just El Chapo Guzman, the cartel guy. It was also the fact that he was in possession of a 50 caliber rifle capable of stopping a car or shooting down a helicopter that originated with the... ATF program. So Obama and Biden and Hillary Clinton and Eric Holder's Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms allowed a 50 caliber gun to get into the hands of the cartels. You could take down a helicopter, blow up a car with it. But don't worry. They got that gun. They got that gun back into custody. You know what they didn't get? They didn't get, they didn't get the other 34 50 caliber guns. President Obama asserted executive privilege to deny Congress access to Fast and Furious related records. Going back to 2012, it was part of that gun walking investigation. So you had the IRS scandal, you had Benghazi, a bunch of other malfeasance, Solyndra, uh, giving money to the mullahs in Iran, all this incompetence co-signed by Joe Biden, of course. But it's this thing, Fast and Furious, 
that has just gone from the memory banks. It started back in November 2009 when the Phoenix field office launched an investigation and an operation into which guns were being bought by drug cartel straw purchasers in the United States and allowed to go into Mexico. That was the theory. They were going to let the cartels get the guns, take the guns into Mexico, and then they'd be busted. Across that period of time, you ended up with two or 3,000 guns going across the border. In March of 2010, a few ATF agents were worried. They said these guns could end up getting used in crimes. Seven months later, that's what happened. The brother of the former attorney general of the state of Chihuahua in Mexico was murdered. The fast and furious weapons were used. In December, it got worse. December 14th, a Border Patrol agent staked out near Rio Rico, Arizona, 11 miles north of the Mexican border on American soil. A five-man rip crew, a group looking to rob drug smugglers crossing the border, opened fire when the agents tried to apprehend them. Brian Terry was struck in the back. He bled to death. Two of the guns involved in the shootout went back to fast and furious. You had an American Border Patrol agent murdered by guns that Holder and Biden and Hillary and Obama sent across the border to the cartels. Can you imagine what would have happened if Donald Trump or any other president had sent guns to the cartels? 3,000 of them? Holder was the target in this investigation and he gave up nothing. He skated. He walked he bailed he left office handed off the reins to uh to, to the uh, next attorney general and nothing more was ever said about this nothing else was said about this those guns are still out there but by by the way by by the way the guns are still out there and they've been used 300-plus Mexicans have been killed or wounded by Fast and Furious firearms. That number has gone up. The guns found their way to Texas. A weapon owned by Nadir Sufi, one of the two Muslim terrorists who tried to shoot up Pamela Geller's Draw Muhammad contest in Texas back in May of 2015, got the guns from the Mexican cartels as part of the Fast and Furious program. You hear all the time that these folks want to make sure that guns are kept out of the hands of criminals. What happens when the administration sends the guns? Now, this would be a great topic, wouldn't it, for a debate, national security foreign policy? This would be a great topic for TV commercials. I just gave you two. Kamala Harris let MS-13 murderers walk, and they killed three more, four more people. Joe Biden was part of the administration that sent guns to the cartels in Mexico. Operation Fast and Furious, you can look it up. In fact, I would say to the President of the United States, President Donald Trump, I would say to the President of the United States, listen, uh, Mr. President, the left is talking about truth and reconciliation commissions. Here's what I would recommend. I would reach out to the government of Mexico, to AMLO over there across the border and say, hey, how many of your citizens were murdered as a result of Fast and Furious? If requested, we will happily extradite Eric Holder either to Mexico City so that your government can prosecute him for sending guns across the border in violation of Mexican law, or we can reach out and build more international cooperation with the International Criminal Court and send him to The Hague to be put on trial as part of the murders of hundreds of people because they wanted to score a political point in the United States 
hundreds, maybe thousands of people have been killed or maimed as a result of this deep, deep incompetence. And oh, Joe Biden, would you restart this program? Tragic. Tragic. I'm Brett Witterbull. This is Devious Motives. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.